Welcome to the Alpha Girl Confidence Podcast, where we are empowering youth female athletes to play and live confidently. My name is Shay Hatto, and each week I will bring you new episodes to teach you the strategies and tools that you need in order to live a confident, empowered life both on and off the playing field. What's up, guys? Welcome back to episode 213 of the Alpha Girl Confidence Podcast. I'm your host, Shay Hatto, and on today's episode, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Robin Love, who is a Paralympian in wheelchair basketball and the Scottish number one in wheelchair tennis. In this episode, we dive into her story as a youth athlete and how she discovered wheelchair basketball at age 23. We also talked about her superpower that helped her to navigate being made fun of at school, how confidence has played a role in her competitiveness and overall success, the importance of trusting yourself in tough situations, and so, so much more. So whether you're a coach, an athlete, or a parent, I know you're going to love this conversation with Robin. Um, it's super inspiring, so I hope that you enjoy it as much as I did. All right, catch you on the episode. Hey, what's up, Robin? Welcome to the Alpha Girl Confidence Podcast. So excited to have you on and dive into your story. As I was doing my research, I was just like absolutely thrilled with you know where this where this conversation can go. So I'm so excited to have you on. Honestly, I've been a huge fan of yours for so long, as you know, so I'm just so excited to be to be on the podcast and to share my journey and also talk about confidence. I know. It's like, I feel like we've been following each other for a while, but then like we, we've never like had a conversation. So I'm like, all right, I'm just going to ask. And, and so I'm so, I'm so glad that I did ask um, and that we're having this conversation. So I'd love to first kind of dive into your story and your athletic background and how that evolved for you um, from, you know, being a youth athlete to now being a Paralympian. And because if my research is correct, you didn't start playing para-sport until like you were 22, right? Uh, 23, actually. Yeah, we bit older. 23, yeah. First time I got in a chair. Yeah, before that, didn't know it existed, didn't know what to sing. Yeah, so that's a whole Crazy. journey before that journey. Yeah, it's craziness. Um, so yeah, I'll just dive into it. So basically I was born with a disability. Uh, it's called arthrogryposis. Don't ask even me to spell it. I don't know. It's a I or a Y. I, I know that much. Um, yeah, it's basically one of my legs is shorter than the other. And in my right leg, mainly the muscles didn't form. Like I can't build them. So my squat game is zero, maybe, maybe a two out of 10, <laughs> that maybe, um, but growing up, my disability didn't stop me from playing sport. Like I loved it. Like when I was younger, I played football or soccer, as you guys would call it. I loved playing football, you know, kicking the ball against my heart. I was always out on my bike, you know, I'm a very active kid. Um, I started to play tennis when I was eight, just picked up a racket and I just loved it. Um, growing up through school, a PE was like my number one subject. Like I loved it. I loved it so much that uh, in Britain, like we have, kind of like grades that you go through in school. It starts at like um, GCSEs, standard grades. And then when you're older, like 17, 16, 17, then you do like um, A-levels. And I did PE at just like the practical. So I didn't have to do any theory. I didn't have to like read anything, write anything. Five days a week, I just had sport. So it was like incredible yeah. for me. Um, so I just loved like volleyball, badminton, basketball. Um, yeah, absolutely love sport. Basically, uh, I wanted to actually be a PE teacher. That was like my goal. Like, cause I just mm -hmm. loved it. So I loved sharing, sharing sport. 
Um, you know, and I reflect upon it like now as a, an adult, and I know now that really I use sport as almost like my superpower because growing up, like I said, I was pretty good at sport, but I had a disability and it was, you'd look at me and think, oh, is she injured herself? Is she okay? Like the amount of times okay. I'd be walking home from school and people would be like, stop the cars. Are you okay? Are you okay? And of course me, I'm like, oh, like, you know, when you're a kid, you're like, yeah, I'm fine. Don't talk to me. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> like in, in school, you know, I, as a kid, I was like, well, if I'm better at sport than you, how am I disabled? Like, if I can beat you at badminton, beat you at basketball, beat you at volleyball, how am I, how am I disabled? What makes me disabled if I'm physically better than you at this thing? So for me, like, I didn't care that my friends would always, we say, uh, like, swag you off, like, uh, take the mick or... Uh, like make fun of you so at, at lunchtime I had like a big red face and I was just like I don't care because I've tried so hard and I've almost like won like I've seen it as like I won and I took so much pride in that and just um, through school that was my superpower um, and like growing up with a disability you'd think I'd get maybe get a bit bullied but I genuinely didn't um, maybe like once by like stupid boys but Genuinely, because uh, I think I had this superpower in my eyes. They couldn't say anything to me. Um, so, yeah, and then after school, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, after school, so after high school, uh, I went to uni, or I took a year out, actually, a gap year. We call it in Britain, you take a gap year. But I didn't travel to Thailand or go to Australia or go to America. I, was, uh, I got an operation on my leg to lengthen it. And so I had this big frame on, so like they broke the bone, they lengthened it. Um, so my gap year was spent playing Mario Kart online, um, not being able to do very much, move very much. Um, yeah, but I got my leg lengthened and it honestly made a huge difference to the way I walk, to the way I stand. Um, so for me, like it was probably one of the best decisions I ever made. Like It was a decision that I said, I'm going to do this. Even my mum was like, oh, I don't know if you should, are you sure? Because growing up, I never had any operations because she always asked the question, well, would she be able to play sport? Would she be able to play sport? And they couldn't guarantee her a yes. So she said, absolutely not. Why would she get something just to make her look better, but it would actually take away from right. her life? Um, and then a doctor said, yeah, of course you can play sport afterwards. You'll be fine. Um, so from there, I was 17. And I was like, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. So I took my gap year and then at uni, I took up running basketball. It was actually like the first thing I wanted to do. I was like, I'm going to play mm. basketball because um, I, I was from a small town where basketball wasn't really a thing. We played like field hockey, net, netball. I don't know if you know what netball is. Um, it's I've pretty heard good of it. <laughs> it's a really good sport. Netball, um, you know, badminton, tennis, you know, but basketball just wasn't a thing on our agenda where I was from. So straight away, I was like, yes basketball um, and I just loved it. I love having a ball in my hands. I love being part of a team. Um, yeah, I just knew like that's where I was wanted to be. I don't know what it was about it. I just knew that basketball was for me. Um, so straight away signed up, loved it. I uh, joined the club and two years later I became the captain of the team, uh, president of the club. So helping like run it, um, really enjoyed that. And then it was actually one of my teammates that I was living with at the time. And she was just one day watching 
it's called Channel 4 over here. It's a very po popular channel. Um, so watching Channel 4, and she just turned to me and was like, oh, could you do this? I was like, what is it? She was like, oh, that's wheelchair basketball. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I've never seen it before. What is it? And by this time, I was 22, and this was the London 2012 Paralympics. And I, look, I looked at it and was like, wow, this is amazing. This is cool. I, I would like this. But, you know, I think part of me, like, still had, like, disability denial, almost. Like, I was like, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. And also, in my mind, I was like, well, it's wheelchair basketball. So you must have to be in a wheelchair to play. And uh, I would, that's what I thought. I thought you have to be in a wheelchair. I just, I can, I just walk funny. You know, I didn't think, you know, I, I could play. And it wasn't until again, a year later, that my able-bodied teammate, uh, she was playing because she had injured her ACL. And I was like, hold on a minute. Hold on. How come you can play? Why can you play? She was like, anyone can play wheelchair basketball. And I was like, anyone can play. So I can play. And she's like, yeah, anyone can play. It's for able-bodied people. It's for disabled people. And I was like, no way. So I was like, can I come? <laughs> and uh, I, signed up to, I signed up to this, like, come and try day. And I took one of my, again, I took one of my basketball teammates, uh, Jen, who's actually from New York. Uh, she was over studying, doing, doing a year in, in Scotland studying. And I was like, Jen, do you want to come, come to this with me? Um, and yeah, she came with me and we absolutely loved it. It was, it was fantastic. Um, and I just fell in love, to be honest. I just fell in love. I sat in a chair, like a basketball chair, and it was just like, yes, this is for me. I really enjoy this. Got stuck in first session. I think I got like five blisters on my hands, but I didn't care. I was just like, give me some plaster. I'm fine. doesn't matter. Boom. And from there, I was very lucky that uh, Tina Gordon, who works with Basketball Scotland, was like, right, you come here. And she would like get me in at training. She bought me a chair, like a secondhand chair that cost like a thousand pound, like of her own money. She like was like, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. We want you to be the, or I want you to be the first Scottish Paralympian in 16 years to um, represent like Scotland, basically, um, within the British team. Because there hadn't been a Scottish athlete in the GB team since, like, Sydney 2000. So with the Rio 2016 okay. Paralympics coming up um, in the two, two years, so that was 2014. So with re the Rio 2016 Paralympics coming up, she was like, yeah, I'm going to get you in. And I'm like, who is this crazy woman? I'm like... <laughs> I'm just, I'm just like, no, I just really like it. Like, I just want to play. I just want to have fun. And she's like, no. And I'm like, do you know what, Tina? I'll Fine, I'll say yes. And I'll do it for you. But um, true to her word, she got me down to the G a GV camp. Um, and luckily, we actually had American coaches at that time. And he was just like, there's something about you, love, that, <laughs> that I like. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. But I'm glad. Um, <laughs> and from there, uh a year later, I was I was on the on a flight to Japan uh, to play my first tournament with GB, which is just craziness. Um, it was just absolutely what a place to go to your first tournament, just unbelievable, fantastic. Um, and yeah, that was that was kind of like my journey into my journey into GB and journey into Wuchi mm -hmm. basketball. Yeah, that is. Like such a, such a cool, crazy story that like, cause I, I assume, and I think a lot of people probably assume that like, like you did, like you have to have 
like be in a wheelchair in order to play wheelchair basketball. Like, like that's what I thought. So this is new to me too. Um, and, and it's just crazy that like you, I, I want to go back to kind of like the beginning of you as a kid, because you kept saying like, this is my superpower. And I think that's so powerful for kids who, who get bullied or they're different or, you know, they just get bullied because they just get bullied. What do you think it was? Like, do you think that was just kind of like born within you or do you feel like it was because of your disability that you kind of like had that superpower and, you know, the, and had the ability to not let other people kind of like get to you? Yeah. Um, maybe it is partly like part of who I am and, um, I think my mum has always been someone who said, like, just get on with it. Like, I've never been treated like I have a disability. So, you know, I think growing up, it's not something that I ever saw an issue with. Um, and maybe having two scary big sisters uh, definitely intimidated people into not believing me. I'm sure that, I'm sure that was a huge factor in it. Um, but at the same time, I think, you know, it was just... I was so competitive um, in sport. And so I do think that kids, they do try and find an easy thing to bully you about. And how can you bully someone about being physically disabled if they are better than you? You know, I really don't think that they would have anything to hold on to there. Um, and I think like, I generally had a, a natural confidence growing up that I do think came from my mum, um, very confident woman. And like I said, I had two confident big sisters as well as, as those kind of role models. Um, and I've always been kind of pushed to be more. And I think that that probably had something to do with it as well. Um, so yeah, I think kids will bully. Um, you know, it's a thing. Adults will bully as well. Um, you know, mm. Sport has a way of making people maybe a bit more intimidated if you're good at something, um, especially as a young kid. So I think that that's where I was kind of lucky. Yeah. And I mean, one of the I, I pulled a couple quotes um, from like an article that I read. And one of them that I absolutely loved was when you said, I don't I didn't want people to see a difference. I wanted them to see me as better. And that like I wrote that down because it was so powerful and it, it's a kind of a testament to your competitiveness and I kind of I want to talk about competitiveness a little bit because I think there is like a lot of people think you can't be super competitive and have fun at the same time and I totally disagree with that because I'm like the more competitive I am like the more fun I'm having so what are you what are your thoughts on competitiveness versus like having fun like can you do the same like were those two like synonymous for you too Oh yeah, I love being like I go on a dog. I was just on a dog walk, for example, today with my partner Laurie, and um, my dog loves a tennis ball. And so, but so we're throwing it, and it's like, okay, I'm gonna hit. Who can hit that first with the ball? So we're trying to aim for like I don't know a trap, like some kind of tree, and it's like who can hit the tree first, you know? And uh, to me, like that's just day to day competitiveness that's fun. Um, and then, of course, you take that into a sports setting. And for me, like I do see in my like basketball teams that I'm in, some people don't like it 
And the more competitive it is, they get upset or, you know, they really go into themselves. Whereas I'm the annoying one with my teammates being like, la la la, never going to get this. Like, like, you know, just really, just like really taking the mick out of them or, you know, trying to make them realize that it's fun. Like it's mm. fun to be competitive, fun that I've just scored and you didn't stop me. You know, it's fun that yeah. then you come and be like well watch what I can do you know I to me like that's just that's why I love basketball that's why I love sport is that competitive fun yeah like when I think back to like because I I don't I don't play anymore but when I think back to the funnest times I've ever had in the, in the best games it was the ones where I was like just so like stuck in and so competitive and like and also like be like messing around with my teammates too. Like it's all, it's all like fun. We're messing around. We're having fun. We're, you know, joking with each other and giving each other a hard time, but it's like so important, I think, um, to be competitive. And I think too, that, that if you are confident, it's like that kind of gives you that competitive edge. But if you're not confident, like, I don't think I've ever seen someone that isn't confident yet they're really competitive. Like, I think the more confident you are, the more competitive you are in a way too. Would you agree? Oh, a hundred percent. I think maybe you are competitive, but people can't see it. So you don't look confident. So people aren't as intimidated by you. So I think that uh, confidence to me, if I saw someone being confident, I find it intimidating. So I think it's all in the game. It's part of the game plan as well. If you look confident straight away, you come to the court with an extra four points on the board because of how you look and how you present yourself, hundred percent. Yeah, and that's huge. Like, like you said, um, how you present yourself. So you can walk up to the quarter of the field and you can have your your head hung down, and like people people aren't going to be scared of you. But if you like have your head up, your chin up, and you're like ready to take someone out, like not in a bad way, but you're ready to like take someone out, like people are going to be a little bit intimidated by you. So I, I love that you brought that up, um, just that competitive nature, with, which I think is so, so important. Um, cool. So I, I would love to hear like when you had that surgery, again, in one of the articles I read, it was talking about how like every day you had to like go in and get something like tightened, like, and it was the super painful, like, tell us more about that experience and how you handled that. Yeah, God, I'm going to have to find, you need to send me this article. I don't know. I'm coming out with these great quotes and there's some good detail. I'm going to have to <laughs> Same yet. Um, yeah, so I basically, it's a frame that people usually get when they get into a really bad like bike crash or something where their bones just completely come apart. So um, if you think about it, like my bone, like they cut it up above my knee, uh, above my knee and then they put a plate in there and then below the knee they cut it as well and put like a, a wedge in it. And then there was this big frame around it and every day I had to like twist these called them struts. So I had to twist these struts that like, so the bone was like this, it pulled it apart. Every day I had to twist it. And then um, it actually then twisted it this way. So I angled my leg this way so that it appeared straighter when I walk. So it just made made me be able to stand a bit better and, and make my uh, walking strike a bit better. So my leg is like, that's my knee. God, this is a good diagram. So that's my knee. And then uh, it's kind of like this. So that's how my leg is. So it went from like this to this and I had to like pull it apart, pull it apart. And it's the ones that made it like angle up the way that was just like 
so sore. And if you imagine, for the, to be able to do that, I had pins going directly into my bone. So I just had these like open wounds like all the time that I had to like look after and make sure they're all right. Yeah, it was like craziness. Um, but, you know, I feel so, so lucky. You know, we have the NHS over here, um, which means that, of course, it was all free. Um, I didn't have to pay anything, which I guess for Americans is unusual. Um, so, yeah, just <laughs> when, when I was 17, just yeah, like grateful that you know I could do this and it, it did truly make a, a huge impact on my life and I guess like I don't know if this is good or not but the fact that I then had like scars afterwards because people would always say to me when I was younger oh what's wrong what's wrong and because I didn't have anything to kind of show I just felt like oh well I'm just born I'm just disabled like I, it's just shorter um, whereas when I had the scars it was kind of like yeah like I had this operation and this and this and you know I, I felt like I could I almost accepted it more um and I don't know why I don't know why that is I'm sure a psychologist would like to delve into that um but yeah that was <laughs> and then I had to get it taken off and for bone to heal it's got to have pressure put on it so you have to get it taken off and then I was on crutches for like six months um so I got it taken off in the February and then six months of healing and then I started to play basketball in the September so wow. so yeah, I, don't, I don't think I asked the physio's permission for that I don't know if they would have said yeah that's okay or not but I did it yeah of course so how like I feel like so many things in your life point to you being like really resilient both physically and mentally like how how are you able to handle the the pain um that kind of came with that? Like, would you attribute it to what you were talking about when you were a kid, like your superpower? Or was it something that was kind of built over time as far as the resilience goes? Well, that's very kind of you. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, I don't, I guess I don't know. I think because I knew it was the right thing to do, like I just felt like that was the right thing. So I trusted myself and I don't know what gave yeah. me this overinflated sense of that I knew what was right but I just trusted I maybe it's because I made the decision so I knew this is what I wanted and I didn't care who even the doctors at the, at the time were like oh this isn't going as well as we thought oh and I was like it is it is going well I know I don't know why you expected any different they seem to because a part of my condition is the tendons are really tight and they just seem to think that they would stretch the bone and the tendons would just go oh chill but I was like, how could you possibly expect that? Like, I, I'm saying that I didn't expect that and I'm not educated like you are. So I think like for me, I didn't expect that at all. I didn't expect it to be perfect. I just knew it was going to be better than what it was. So for mm -hmm. me, I think it was... Yeah, and I think that's so powerful that you... I mean, it sounds like the trust in yourself and the trust in the process is what allowed you to kind of get through like that physical pain. And that's so, I think it's such a bigger lesson though, um, with, with whether it's injury or something that you're working really hard for is that if you trust yourself along the way, like you're going to get to that outcome that you want. But if you start to doubt yourself and you're like, oh, this isn't right, then that's where I think a lot of people give up. So I think that's such a incredible story that so many girls listening can take away, you know, whether they're trying to go play in college or whether they, you know, want to be, you know, have this career in something. It's like so important um, over anything is to trust yourself no matter what other people are saying. So that's super cool. Yeah.
Um, cool. So I know you found, well, I shouldn't say you found your wife. You met your wife playing wheelchair, <laughs> wheelchair basketball. She wasn't lost. You didn't have to find her. Um, but you met her playing wheelchair basketball. What was, what was that like, like being on the same team and then dating and then like being married to your teammate? Like, that's just like, I would love to hear about kind of that experience. Yeah. Well, very difficult. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so yeah, so we met, uh, my, my actual first senior women's camp um, was, I think, the December of 2014, um, December 2014, and we were actually rooming together, and we just got to know each other, like, really well. It was one of these, like, crazy camps, like, that only an American could arrange, like, where it was, like, before Christmas, you were there for four days, you went home for two days for Christmas, then you were back in, like, and, you know, just craziness, and we... We're British people. We're like, what about Boxing Day? What about this? Like, yeah. what are you talking about coming back? And so all the girls came back. Everyone got ill and sick. So we had to call off the camp and go home. Yeah, it was cra it was craziness. Everyone got ill because um, we were working so hard, ground, ground ourselves down to the ground. <laughs> um, you know, it was crazy. So that was my first experience of GB. Um, but at the same time, obviously, I did get to know Laurie. Um, and it was fantastic, you know, she's a great person. And she was actually at the time at Alabama University over in America. Um, so she was there studying her masters and playing basketball in the collegiate system there. And so we did long distance for a while. And so the May when she got back, and of course we did the classic lesbian thing and moved in together straight away. <laughs> um, but to be <laughs> to be fair, it was because we all had to move to where we were training and one of our teammates did move in with us as well. So there was like a buffer there. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. Yeah, so there, yeah. Um, so yeah, so we did that kind of after what, five, five months of long distance. And yeah, we've just been inseparable since really. But in terms of on the court, you know, it ha there has been challenges, like I'm not going to lie. Like mainly when it's been like, national league where it's like away from gb where both of us had to take like the responsibility you know where we're playing with other players who aren't at that international level so we've got to really take control um and for me like i'm very like external and like you need to do this do this and she's more like internal she'll just kind of expect because she's so good at basketball she's amazing but she'll just expect me to do stuff and i'm like you have to mm. tell me, tell me, just say, but instead she wouldn't. And then I would just get this side eye that she's like an expert at. Um, but over the years, like we, <laughs> had, we gradually got much, much better just from having to communicate with each other um, and just understand, like she had to understand I'm just the way I am. And I had to accept that she was the way she is. Although I always try and get her to speak more, speak more, speak more. It's just, you know, because I just value what she says so much and I know other people do. So I just want to encourage her to have that confidence to say so. Um, so, yeah, it's funny. I think we're literally the opposites on court, but um, yeah, we both just are so competitive that we want to win. Like, she's super competitive as well. Um, and then at the same time in training, having someone who's able to be completely honest with you and your team, I think just takes you to that next level because with your teammate, you don't want to upset them. You don't want to, you know, 
but Laurie and I had that relationship where she was like, what are you doing? You need to keep pushing. Why aren't you pushing? You know, in wheelchair basketball, a lot of people just like hip thrust to try and stop someone's chair, like rather than pushing. I don't know what it's equivocal to and all but in difference in soccer I'm not sure but it's like you need to just take that extra step or take that extra push and she would always get into me about that like you need to keep pushing keep pushing keep pushing why are you doing that and just having that honest voice I think for me was really helpful especially like training full-time on the run, run up to my first Paralympics after only playing for one year um, having that person to just be like do this do this do this um, for me I don't think I would be as good as I am if I didn't have someone like her being that honest. Yeah. And that's the reason why I think she's probably able to be so honest with you and how you got better from that is because you were confident and you didn't take it personally and you didn't like, you know, think, Oh, she's just being mean, but you knew that she was just trying to help you, you know, to be better. So I think that's a testament to, to again, going back to like your confidence and how important confidence is, um, you know, with teammates, relationships, competitiveness, like everything. Um, so sticking with kind of like your wife, um, she's expecting in April, like, what are you most excited about to be a new mom? Oh gosh. Like I want to just see a baby just grow and just develop. Like I'm so excited. Like I'm such a geek, you know, about like all the things that are going to help develop their like hand-eye coordination and like, you know, stuff like that. Like, not that I want them to necessarily just be into sports and stuff, but just like seeing how like they can move and what they can do when they're small. And I don't know if you've seen online, like you know, like Project Serena and Project Mbappe. Like when people are get their tiny little babies, like kicking these footballs that are on a thing. Like that'll definitely be be us. I think you know what it'll be. Project. Oh yeah. I'm not sure, girl or boy. We'll see. We'll see. But yeah, I'm super excited for all that stuff. Um, just to see their, their little personalities. Yeah, just to see the little personalities grow. Yeah. That's so exciting. And is there anything like, what are you most nervous about too? If anything? Well, I think initially I'm most nervous about how the dog is going to react. <laughs> so we have a little dog and I'm just like, oh, I don't want her to be like mean or like bit them on the face all the time or like, I don't know because <laughs> our dog like I she's think, amazing yeah so. i was gonna say i highly doubt like i feel like dogs are always so incredibly kind and gentle with little kids so and your dog is adorable too so i think that they'll have a great relationship yeah yeah i hope so that's that's the plan but they'll definitely laurie like uses a wheelchair like all like most of the time and so the dog is like attacked like she sits on her lap she's a literal lap dog and she like paws her so that Laurie then has to pick her up and put her on her lap now <laughs> when there's some when there's a little tiny baby on that lap you know I just know she's gonna get uh a bit a bit jealous so I'm interested to see how that goes <laughs> yeah there definitely might be a bit of an adjustment period for the dog that oh no I'm not the only child now I know <laughs> she can go to her, her <laughs> nana's something <laughs> There you go. There you go. Cool. So what's what's next for you as far as I know, like tennis is your Scottish number one in tennis, too. Like what's next for you with basketball and tennis? What's coming up tournament wise for you and like Olympic wise and all that stuff? So like immediately uh, I have the Women's Premier League. So in Britain, we've got a league just for women because wheelchair basketball actually at a national level is mixed men and women together, um, which which is good. 
but confidence wise big challenge for women huge challenge for women so the British League uh, came up with uh, the Women's Premier League which is um, it's not a professional league but it's professionally run I would say um, you know we've got coaches um, nutritionists S&C all that kind of stuff and we've got there's only four teams in the league um, but it's allowed like 60 women to like train part-time which is just incredible. So, and all, all a few of the games are getting shown on the BBC, you know, uh, the BBC channel. So it's like, yeah, a, yeah. like television um, and it's online. So people can watch it on there, which is just incredible. Um, so that's the immediate thing that's going on just now. And last year we won the national championships with that, with Loughborough Lightning. Um, or I, cause it's funny because I know Americans struggle with uh, Loughborough because it would be Loughborough. Would you guys would probably say that, right? Like Edinburgh University, so it's like Loughborough. Yeah, best way I can okay. like <laughs> the spelling. Don't look at the spelling. Just think L U F F B R U H. That's Loughborough. Okay, that's how you'd say can, it. Yeah. Um, so, you said it was on BBC. Like, can is that can that be streamed from like anywhere in the world to watch? I think it can be. I think it depends if you have one of those like. VPN things, but I know a lot of people watch it from around the world. Um, so yeah, it's on like we call it iPlayer. Um, BBC iPlayer is like the the kind of app or like the website. Okay. Yeah. And when when does that start? Uh, so we're we're a few games in, but in the BBC, I don't know if the April first game. I think might be the first one that's on the BBC. They only announced it yesterday. We didn't actually know that it was going to get streamed on the BBC again this year. So it's cool to cool. see it going. Other than that, I'm going to have to try to watch it. Yeah, so it's on YouTube, on the uh, British Wheelchair Basketball YouTube. You can walk, catch up on any of the games. And um, we're Loughborough Lightning. Uh, we play in purple. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good league. So for me, for basketball, that's my priority uh, at the minute. So it's, you know, it's really incredible league. Undefeated so far in the past year and a half. So it's pretty exciting. You know, right? Yeah, feels good. Um, congrats, congrats. <laughs> <laughs> feels good and then uh in terms of tennis I, I don't have any tournaments lined up yet because obviously the baby's on their way uh so I guess I'm just kind of training away you know enjoying it building my skills up trying to gain that confidence uh because I tell you tennis exposes it all when you're there on the court by yourself um, yeah so yes. yeah it's a different type of challenge I, for sure. Like, yeah. So tennis is like completely different, obviously with the being a individual sport, like how, how, how is that different mentally from basketball for you? Oh, hugely different. You know, I get so much energy from like, um, bigging up my teammates for like supporting my teammates for helping them. Uh, that gives me a lot of, um, kind of drive for the game. So not having that at all, in tennis, you know, being your own teammate, I think like it's taken me quite a few tournaments to realize like what, not maybe my persona, I think, like when we get on the field of play, you know, what your persona is. And I think that when I initially started tennis, I thought I had to be like tennis, like a tennis player where they're just like no emotion. But I just know that yeah. that's, not, that's just not who I am. So, you know, it took me a few tournaments to realize, you know, you have to just be you, um, which, you know, for some people, I've actually had someone laughing at me, like, maybe laughing with me, but I was like, I don't care, I'm winning. So I don't care if you're laughing at me. <laughs> I love that. You know, 
I'm there being like, come on, Robin, you've got this. Let's go. What are you, you need to do this. You need to put, make yourself successful. Put yourself in a position to be successful. Come on. And I'm like just talking to myself like like this, like cheering myself up because I, I just realised that like, you've got to speak to yourself how you would speak to your teammates. So I decided that that's what I wanted to do. And that's what would help me to kind of get myself in that mind frame to, to compete. So, yeah, it's, it's completely different. And like when I first started tennis, I just found it really awkward because there's so much like silence and like dead time yeah. when it's just like, oh, second serve in the net. Oh, I need to go and get the ball. I need to come back. And I just found it like just so awkward. So I had like, to get over that initial like people waiting for you and looking at you and only you. You know, I had to really, it gave me like this like, oh, so I had to really get over that. Um, which I did pretty quickly, but uh, it made me really uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, I would say that one of the things that girls, um, all athletes struggle with is like getting over those mistakes. And I think it's even amplified more in tennis because of that, like dead time. And because you, it's silent and like no one else is like cheering you on. Like it's, you have to be your own like coach and cheerleader. So for you to like go from basketball to that and to be able to like, you know, adopt that like coach mentality for yourself, I think is really cool. Um, and besides like, like talking to yourself and coaching yourself up, is there anything else you do in tennis? Like after you make a mistake to kind of get over that mistake and then focus on the next play? Yeah, absolutely. Like, especially when it comes to serving, which is just a completely isolated skill that only you have an impact on. Um, so for me, I just use like, uh, little cue words that I know help me you know for example when I know when my service like my action is smooth then it's better so I'll just constantly smooth or if like the ball toss for example if I have to do that ball toss four times don't care you know and in the wheelchair game it's a lot more difficult to get the ball toss right because you can't just adjust your feet and hit it you've got to really get it in the right position so you know, the amount of times I've like thrown the ball and it's went over my head and I've got to go, got to go and get it. It's like, you know, I think you just have to like build up like the resilience for that and just like constantly be like, it's okay, you've got this. Nice and smooth. And that's, at least that's what I do. I just, I'm constantly smooth, keep it smooth. And that's, that's just what I do. Just have that kind of, those kind of buzzwords in my head. Yep. I'm so glad you said that. It's actually super cool because I, I was working with a volleyball player the other day and we were talking about like her overthinking. And I was like, well, what's one word you can say to yourself, like to just kind of loosen up? And she's like, smooth. And so you said the same words. So I'm like, this is so cool. Like she's, yeah. she's, she's right on track. So I'll have to, I'll have to share that with her. Um, that she's saying the same words as a, as an awesome Paralympian. <laughs> Yeah, I guess it's nice. If you want to keep you smooth, I take it, or service and volleyball. Yeah, because it's the same thing, isn't it? It's the same action. And the thing yeah. is, is yeah, totally the same. Yeah, with the, the, the ball toss and then the, the action with the shoulder and that. Yeah, and it's very similar. Um, cool. So when I was doing some stalking, I noticed that you have a picture with Billie Jean King, who I absolutely love. And obviously, she's one of your role models, too. Like, Tell me, what was it like meeting one of the greatest, like, tennis players, but also advocates for, like, women's sports and LGBTQ? Like, what was that like? 
Oh my gosh, she gave me an action figure. I wish it's through in my, my other room I'd get. She just gave out these like action figures. <laughs> and I was just like, wow. I think because I went to the Billie Jean King Cup, which was in Glasgow. Um, so I'm from a town not far from there, but I actually live about three and a half hours away. So I went up just for the day because I got invited by Pride and Tennis, which are a fantastic organisation in, based in England to try and get um, more LGBT tennis clubs set up. And their goal so, is to go, to go to each like major tournament, tennis tournament, and th when they're there, set up a club um, to kind of to try and create that legacy from the tournament. And fortunately, Billie Jean King was obviously at the Billie Jean King Cup. Um, and I knew there was a potential opportunity that I would meet her. And we were waiting all day, waiting all day. And I've got to drive like three and a half hours back home to, to get back down the road. And I was like, oh, it's not going to happen. And then I just saw someone um, send a message like, oh, blah, blah, needs to come quickly. And I'm like, oh, they must be meeting her soon. <laughs> they go to the toilet. <laughs> And I was like, back in a minute. And then uh, I was just floated because I was like, I wasn't going to do it. Like, make, And I, I just said to myself, Robin, put yourself in a position to be successful. Come on. Like, I had to, like, G myself up. Um, and, of course, like, I went out and the whole reason I was there to, was to be an ambassador for them. And they were just like, do you want to come in? And I was like, oh, funny. What a coincidence. Yes. Yes, I would love to. So I just kind of like weaseled my way in there. And, uh, you know, the guys were fantastic and, and they opened the door and she was there. And I was just like, oh my gosh, how amazing. Like, she's just so lovely. Like a, an incredible person who just wants to make positive impacts everywhere she goes. And, you know, I just found it amazing like, how she spoke to them. She was just like, what do we need to do? What needs to happen? Who do I need to call? Like, what is your goal? What's your goal? And what do you need me to do? And they, the guys were just like, oh, uh, well, uh. like, I think they were just as starstruck as I was and just like amazed. And I think the ultimate goal was to get a Pride Day at Wimbledon. So they wanted to get, because I think the Australian Open did it where they had like a Pride Day. And I think that that's what oh, really yeah. And especially at Wimbledon where, you know, it's, it's all white, so it's, you know, a bit old school to say the least. Um, so I know that that's something yep. that they want to get. Um, but I don't think the Pride and Tennis crew thought that it would be possible. But I think with Billie Jean's uh, contacts and influence, they're hoping it will happen. So, yeah, she was just awesome. And she actually supports a South African wheelchair tennis player um, for her journey. Because um, obviously South Africa is not much support for women's sports. Um, and there, and there aren't many uh, players of colour either. So, you know, I know that Billie Jean was really keen to support her, which is fantastic. So, you know, I, I heard she has some Scottish heritage, so I'm hoping that means she might want to support me as well. <laughs> That's awesome. If she supports you, then I would like you to put in a good word and have her come on the podcast. Oh my God. You know, I bet she would absolutely love it because she's all about empowering women and giving them confidence and, you know, if I was you, I would just be spamming her Instagram with comments. That's what I would do. I should. Like, maybe yeah. she'll eventually listen to this. So, Billie Jean King, if you're listening to this podcast, I would love to have you come on the podcast. You can send me a DM at Shay Hatto on Instagram. Okay, Oops. there we go. That's the first of many spam um, outreaches. Love that. <laughs> nice. 
So speaking of mentors, kind of like a last big question for you. Growing up, um, whether when you were a kid playing sports or just now um, as a as a as an adult athlete, what mentors, if any, did you kind of have to look up to or role models as you were going through, you know, your career as an athlete? Gosh, it's interesting. I think growing up, um, I think PE teachers were always people I looked up to. I know that we had one Miss Wilson who really backed me as like a person, as um, as a person who loves sport. Because um, as well as obviously doing PE at school, like she got me into different sport programs to get like coaching qualifications. Um, so yeah, so I think that having her as that support really, really helped me growing up. Yeah, and then kind of going into to uni, I think it was more like my kind of teammates or my role models, because at uni, like, everyone's like a year or two older than me. And there yeah. was this like, Portuguese player, Margarida, who um, she's fantastic, like just Portuguese, like down the line, says it how it is. And, you know, I really value that, really appreciate that. You know, she was confident, knew what she wanted. So mm -hmm. I just looked at her straight away. So um, in, in British universities, we have like, you can get elected to like help run the sports. It's called like the sports union. Um, and I was just saying to her one day, like, oh, I'd really like to do that. Oh, do you think I'd be good at that? And she was just like, yes, you would be. Do it. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I will. And uh, so I did. And I ran, you know, the Vote Love campaign. Um, I'm sure there's a video out there of me doing something embarrassing um, to, to get, <laughs> get people to vote love, which sounds pretty nice, doesn't it? So I've still got, like, you know, vote love out there. And yeah, got that, that role. Nice. That's Absolutely. awesome. Yeah, it was cool. It was really cool. Um, you know, I think, and then going into kind of wheelchair basketball, I think, again, I always sought out strong, confident women. Maybe it's the fact that I've got four sisters and my mum was such a, a role model in my life. I think that's just who I look to for kind of advice or um, people to look up to. And very fortunate that within Paralympics GB, there's a lot of female leaders um, the head of it, Penny Briscoe, you know, she's an incredible leader. Um, so it's mm. great that everywhere I looked, I could see more. Um, and there was this one woman who worked with us, Lorraine, and I said to her one day, she was Scottish as well, uh, which is, it's quite, it's not uncommon, but there's not many Scottish people that day to day that I, I work with. So it's quite nice. Um, so I, I was speaking to her one day, like, oh, I'd like to do this. And she kind of just said to me, it was this kind of like sports development role. And she was like, why would you reach here when you're here? Like, you need to aim here because this is where you are. Yeah. Why are you aiming here? Don't do that. And I was just like, oh, wow. Like, she thinks I'm here. Cool. Um, but I think that that's the thing is as women and girls, often we undersell ourselves and undervalue ourselves. And I think that's yeah. something that I did. I, although I'm a confident person, I definitely, as someone from a small town who didn't know a lot of these kind of job roles and positions existed that are like, to me, unreachable because I, like we call it like working class, I come from like a working class background, like I just would never yeah. imagine I'm here. Um, and, you know, I think obviously it's kept me humble all these times, but at the same time, I think it's meant that maybe I haven't reached as high as I could or... 
Um, so having someone like, like her say that to me, I, I really appreciated that. Yeah, I think that's so valuable to have mentors that support you, but also like push you to see your past, what you think you're capable of. Because yeah, for most of us, it's like we, like you said, we undervalue ourselves. So to have people in your life like that, that push you beyond what you think you're capable of is so incredibly valuable. And I know that's something that I try to do with the girls that I work with and you like your, your Instagram and everything is so inspiring. And just this conversation, I think will really inspire a lot of girls. So thank you so much for coming on. And also like, I'll, I'll put the YouTube to the, um, so the, so that girls and myself can watch, um, you guys play, um, where else kind of share like your Instagram and where else people can kind of find you and connect with you. Yeah. Instagram. So Robin underscore love 13, uh, Twitter's the same. Don't use Twitter as much though. Uh, TikTok, Robin underscore love 13. And there's some funny videos on there, but there's also a, a cool video of how I put this wallpaper up, uh, in the, in the oh, nursery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. nice i'll have to go watch it or uh, or on linkedin as well i'm also on linkedin you can find me there okay cool nice yeah. well thanks again robin uh, make sure you guys go check out robin's stuff because she is an amazing human and thanks again robin for coming on